If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. He- Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. How do you pronounce this football player's name that was in all oh, that we were talking about? Geez, we talked about him every day for a while. Manti Teo, I think, right? Is that right, Hanson? We'll find out. We're gonna, so Manti Teo. And uh, back when this story exploded, God, we talked about this for days. Remember? Oh, yeah. We were reading transcripts and playing audio. And I mean, this was quite the, the soap opera. Do I remember, yeah, but, just before we get, so there's a documentary out, just to refresh my memory briefly, even if it's wrong, before I get into the documentary, was uh going to be a giant, so he's a college football player, Notre on track Dame. to become mm-hmm. a giant star, f- was engaged to a chick he'd never met before, doing some sort of online thing, and it turned out she was a dude. Is that right? Yeah, she didn't exist, per se, and they kind of deal with that in the trailer. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering if I remembered that story right at all. Why yeah. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then he was on, I, like, Ellen well, and Dr. Phil and stuff like that. Well, and I'd forgotten the... Well, let's play the trailer, then okay. we'll discuss it. Manti Teo had an absolutely astounding senior year. His grandmother and girlfriend, Lene Kikua, had died the same night. He dedicated his season to them. It was an amazing story. I mean, they were with me, you know. I'm missing. One problem, his girlfriend did not exist. I don't think anyone can appreciate how big a story it became. This was a very sophisticated hoax, perpetrated for reasons we can't understand. At this point, I'm at the Heisman ceremony. I don't know what to think, and I can't tell anybody what's going on. He'll never say it affected his play, but you could definitely see something was up. We just thought, what sick joke is someone trying to put on us? My uncle immediately said, I think you're getting catfish. Right. Ready to roll, man? Yeah. I created this fictional character, Lene. I totally felt fear. I didn't have courage to just be like, this is who I am. 
it became evident that we had a major story. I was afraid this was going to affect my NFL future. I don't think he had any concept of how much the media will build you up and then tear you down. I didn't expect it to blow up so quickly. This is about to hit the fan. That's when everything went chaotic. I love you so much. There were two people. It was crazy. My whole world changed, and I'm questioning everything. And Alex, you can jump in if you want, because you're a sports fan, if we, uh, for, if we misremember anything. So did he actually win the Heisman? No, he came in third, I believe, that year. Okay, but he, he gave the speech about how his girlfriend had died at some point, and that became a really big thing. That was like a... Yes, grandmother and girlfriend died like simultaneously on the eve of the big game. I mean, it was just too incredible a story, and he had to bravely go out there and, and, and play anyway. Now, Granny is past. That part was real. So She wasn't being Granny catfished. So Alex said something when he came in the room. He said, we all owe him an apology. Why do you say that, Alex? Oh, yeah. I, I've watched bits and pieces. I'm not completely through the documentary yet. But he he was a young man playing at a high level of football. He's focused on football. And the, the main reason he hid this whole thing when it blew up was because he didn't want to be seen as a crazy guy who was in a serious relationship with a girl who he had never met. Right. Well, which makes you look pretty crazy. But, you know, he's also a kid. Exactly. He's a young man, and he's a very talented football player. And unfortunately, the whole situation essentially tanked his career. In what way did it tank his career? Well, he was in the, you know, for those who aren't familiar with college football, the Heisman Trophy is the best player in the nation that year. And he's in the finalists, and it's a very elite uh, section of players. He's going into the NFL draft. This whole story drops after the big game. It dropped his draft value, so which affects his paycheck. And the only thing anyone ever talked about once he made it to the NFL was the not-existent girlfriend. No one ever talked about his play on the field. It obviously affected his play on the field, and he's now out of the league. So he didn't have the ability to to ignore it and keep playing, which I'm not knocking him for that, because it was a pretty big story and he was a kid. And it was like but, the big story all of oh, 2013. Well, I can't believe how much we talked about it. Well, and you'd think, you know, a guy of that much ability might be able to transcend that, and, and his play on the field just makes everybody forget, but it was so massive. And if it followed him everywhere, it could distract and dis- discourage a guy. Well, imagine playing against somebody in the NFL. You're, it's a vicious sport, and they're going to sit there and chirp in your ear. Oh, hey, you're Maddie, the guy who's dating a guy at Vicky. You tonight? I'm your new girlfriend, Manny. Oh, yeah. It would mm. be in his head all the time. <laughs> Wow. I'm remembering why we talked about it so much. I mean, it's unfair to, to the to the poor guy that fell for it. Um, but I mean, it's a pretty hard story to ignore. Well, and the fact that it was this transgender person who just wanted to be a hot woman, so kind of became one using other people's pictures and and recruited family members to back up the story. I mean, it was it was absolutely conspiracy to commit fraud. What year was it? 2013. So I'm thinking that it, part of the reason it exploded so much, it was early in the whole online dating thing when it was becoming like super mainstream and common. Early in the whole trans thing, when that was becoming way more of a conversation. So it had, you know, a couple of points of interest converging at the same time. And it's just, it's a compelling story. Poor guy. Yeah. I mean, we made fun of him a lot, just like everybody else did. And, uh, but you know, you're a small town guy. Here he comes from this small village in Hawaii, not a lot of life experience and everything, and just, oh, thrust onto the international stage. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. That is rough. Yeah. Uh, 
and then all, all the, I do want to wrap it up. He's a nice guy. All things he donates time to the Special Olympics, the Hawaii Food Bank. He's an Eagle Scout. You know all those things. He's a great kid. So he has no known, uh, like outstanding flaws other than. He was super naive about a love relationship. And he got duped by an insidious plot. Yeah. Which is why we owe him the apology. Yeah, because that sucks. Because there's plenty of uh, Deshaun Watson last week. There's plenty of scumbags in the NFL. I mean, just rotten to the core, awful human beings, allegedly. Um, this guy's only crime was being naive about love. and uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's rough. I kind of feel bad about that whole thing. Because Jack said some mean things at the time. Prob- I defended the poor lad. I believe I believe one of us uh, regularly made, uh, you know, acted out scenes of a fake phone call and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but man, so sad. you know, you know, and my, you know, I don't know what level of uh, naive my kids are going to be, but I, if I'm close enough to to them to know what's going on, I certainly am going to say, so you you haven't met this girl at all. You never met her face to face. Okay, I gotta say I'm. A little concerned about that. I have seen people duped, and logic is a mouse in the face of the lion of their emotion and their needs. Nothing will cloud your judgment like falling in love. Nothing. And or being horned up. And or and or sex. I mean, for other people, I've never been a victim of that myself. I'm the rational man. I'm practically Mr. Spock over here, but yes. For normal people, yes, it will make you a crazy person. Uh, One more question, Alex. What does the point of this documentary seem to be? Is the point what you said? We all owe him an apology? I think it's more to recap just how wild the situation was. The point of it is to make money because it's still an entertaining story. That's the point of the documentary. Oh, yeah. That's Netflix. The point of view of the documentary, I guess. Uh, But it's part of a series that they have uh, But Does it mostly make him look like a victim of something? Oh, he was a victim of something. I haven't finished it. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. I've got to believe it does. And I mentioned earlier in the show, I just finished watching the three-part documentary on Woodstock 99, which is uh, called Trainwreck, I believe. That's that's worth a look, too, if you remember that festival. It, and it, it's a throwback to the heyday of MTV. You got Kurt Loder reporting live and Limp Bizkit playing and whipping up the crowd. And I, I've seen the trailer where it's got the part where Kid Rock comes out and does that thing where he just screams, My name is Kid! That crowd goes berserk. Yeah, that was the things are going well part of the festival. <laughs> it's an interesting gr- glimpse into humanity, particularly young men when massed together with no rules. Mm. No rules, not just right. Documentaries are having a moment to last several years, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because if you're in the mood for one, you know where to go. Yep. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Chewing in our summer The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, old Gavi Newsom, he's the governor of the, the most populous state in the union. Did you know that? California. And he's trying to set himself up as the obvious counter choice to Ron DeSantis running for president in 2024, it seems to everyone. Even you know, it's funny, he hadn't. Go ahead. We're probably uh, barking up the same tree. Go ahead. Even though he claims he's not running for president. I was going to say, it just uh, dawned on me that, you know, with Trump uh, definitely looking more like he's running than certainly a year ago, for instance, being the anti-DeSantis isn't going to do Gavin much good. 
Um, although, who knows? There's so much yet to unfold. But, Messi runs uh, for governor in Florida. This uh, <laughs> that would be an odd move. Uh, this article in Politico I found kind of interesting. Uh, California's liberal legislature is preparing to send Gavin Newsom a series of bills that could help the Democratic governor grow into his national, his political profile or risk alienating factions within his policy, uh, within his party, rather. Uh, Gavi wants the national spotlight. Now he's got it. And he's got to make some tough decisions. And they mentioned that the, uh, the, the, the super majority brutal one party legislature have s- sent Gavi a series of bills. Um, that could be a little dangerous among the decisions whether to allow safe injection sites for drug users, which we mentioned earlier, forcing private companies to publicly reveal what they pay all of their employees, regulating fast food industry labor practices, meaning just interfering in, in, in private, uh, you know, employment practices. Um, and, and they say, here's the problem. It looks great in California if you have a one-party state, super progressive, and the rest of it, but it might doom him nationwide. Um, you know, here's a caveat. Before I actually go through some of these things that they mentioned, I was thinking about this during the commercial break, uh, because I think they missed out. I'll just hit you with the last real quick. Uh, stuff that just won't play nationally. Supervised injection sites. People jabbing themselves with drugs on the streets in San Francisco and L.A. and God knows where else, Oakland, whatever. Those pictures and video are going to be around America, go around America. And, Jack, as you pointed out, when Vancouver did this, that part of town was a hellhole. Mm. It was Drugville. The the photos ain't pretty. You lump those in with all the human poo and the miles of Skid Row in Los Angeles and the thousands of, of, of bums and junkies and homeless people in, in San Francisco and Sacramento, the rest of it. That's just not going to play on a national stage. So you got the... Uh, Supervised injections thing, the super enthusiastic climate action laws, um, super expensive policies and, and all that they mention. So that's, um, it's interesting that Politico's doing this, but so is this with the assumption that he would get the nomination? Cause I mean, I don't, are other Democrats going to go after him on junkievilles in California when he's trying to get the nomination? I wonder if he'll um, be running against Kamala. You know, they kind of made a deal back on, uh, before they both got to their current positions of, you know, I won't run for the U.S. Senate, you won't run for governor. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's that's an interesting question. All this stuff would play out differently in the primaries than the general election, certainly. Um, I'd like to see Gavin and Kamala yeah. going after each other. Yeah, you absolutely could see, though, I, I can't, I'm struggling to come up with a name, but we'll just say, you know, uh, Jim Smith, the moderate governor of Midwestern state, who says, listen, I, I'm in favor of fighting climate change and having a safety net for the less fortunate, but I don't want America to look like California. Yeah, right. Go after him in the primaries like that. So, uh, let's see some of the climate action stuff they get into that's just way, way further than anybody else. And a lot of it is just, it doesn't make a, a, a drop worth of you know a drop of water in the oceans worth of difference when it's a global issue uh they call it labor rights um you can call it what you want but uh like forcing companies to have quotas on their boards of directors i don't know if people care about that forcing pay equity 
um, and that sort of thing. And and then there's one that I just think is a dopey inclusion. But uh, you know what they leave out of the list is, and there's a big giant butt coming up at the end of this. And that's not a reference to the hind end of a human being, Jackson. No childish jokes. Um, they don't mention making the state a sanctuary state for illegals and for abortions, and we'll pay for the health care of anybody who can sneak in the state, and we'll pay for the health care, we'll pay for the abortion of anybody who wants to come into California to get an abortion. The taxpayers will pay for that. That is not going to play in moderate America, including including purple states. California is just way too out there. And you live in California long enough, you, you lose a sense of that. But I think Gabby's going to get it right in the face. Here's my big butt. <laughs> and I would not lie. <laughs> Here's my big caveat. Oh, and if my it, it, God. If it were not for the Electoral College, this would be 100% true. You can win the presidency damn near just winning to the east of I-95 on the east coast and west of I-5 on the west coast. You can win the presidency with the coasts. And it could be Gavin is thinking, I don't give a crap about Colorado or, well, Virginia is actually east. Um uh, I don't give a crap about purple America or red state America can pound sand. All I'm going to do is anoint myself the progressive mastermind and the coasts will elect me. Mm-hmm. Could be. Which is why the Electoral College is so incredibly important, as we discussed when various jackasses were discussing in semi-serious stones getting rid of it. You would have a tiny, narrow band of America elect every single president. It would just be the coastal population centers, and you would have 35, 40 states consider themselves completely unrepresented by the federal government. That would not last a decade. The country would fall apart. Well, imagine how you can start funneling money to those tiny, um, um, smallish areas that control all the voters that keep you elected. And you funnel money oh my to those gosh, areas and of ignore the rest of the country. Right, yeah. You literally take in a trillion dollars of taxes from around the country, then tell 40 states, you're not seeing a cent of this because we don't care, and just funneling it right to the, the rich blue areas. Oh, my God, it would be so terrible for the country. But as Jack pointed out, I think it was last hour, it, it, you don't need to list a bunch of California policies that will doom Gavi nationally. Him talking, him trying, he will be exposed he is. He will make Scott Walker look like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> he's good at slogans and he's good at preaching to the choir, but but to win people over, no, forget it. He's a he is a tin horn governor of a one party state. Armstrong and Getty. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B and B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800 334 Kia for details. Always dive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my sexy pants on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So there's a lot going on today with uh, responsibility and work and education and all these different things with the story that the Biden administration is going to have taxpayers foot the bill for some of the student loans. When the details come out, we'll hit you with more of those. And there are help wanted signs all over the place. It's a unique time in American history right now where there are so many open jobs that more people are quitting their jobs than ever before. The balance of power between boss and employee is different than it's ever been in my lifetime. I can't imagine what it would feel like to be like in a McDonald's employer, Walmart employer, whatever. I mean, you it's, it's different than it was when I was younger. You pretty much had to put up with whatever or oh my goodness, you're yes. going to be shown the door. <laughs> and now... It would seem, from my observation, reading various stories, you and your friends can get together and say, look, we're going to quit unless X happens. And they might likely do X, because if you walk out the door, they can't function. They can't hire anybody. So it is kind of interesting. We've talked before about the anti-work thread on Reddit. Anti-work. It's people who, more or less the philosophy is they don't believe in work, or at least uh, the work-life balance is out of control, or all employers are mean and but a lot of it is we just shouldn't have to work. <laughs> and there are two million people on this thread. And there's a lot of stuff about how unfair it is that I have to work so much. And What uh, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Signed, squirrels, beavers, and literally every living creature on Earth. Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, I sh- I shouldn't have to conduct photosynthesis all day. Signed a blade of grass. Anyway, back to you. 
Um, and uh, quiet quitting has been really popular. I, I check the anti-work thread regularly. It amuses me or <laughs> somehow. But the the quiet quitting has been a hot topic for the last month or so. Joe brought us that. The, uh, the idea that you don't leave your job because you want to keep getting the paycheck, but you kind of quit while still going and getting paid. You just don't do anything. Do the bare minimum. <laughs> anyway, I, um, I take in a lot of different, uh, media from a lot of different places. And I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about this kind of from an economist's point of view. And I thought it was interesting. Some being somewhat not charitable, but trying to understand the, the different attitudes toward work than we had when we were younger. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is the social safety net. There's just, there's no chance you're going to starve in America. So that has been more or less eliminated as a penalty. And that, I think that plays a big role. Yeah, I'd say that's a hell of a penalty. Uh, but one, one, uh, two different things to look at it, uh, ways to look at it. One is there wasn't the plethora of other things to do not that many years ago. That were that fantastic. <laughs> I mean, nobody's ever, you know, everybody mostly would like rather stay home than go to work. If you're given the choice, you think you do that for a while and you'd be miserable. But there also wasn't if, if my dad stayed home from work back in the day, the options for things to do were much more limited than they are now. Well, and the question arises, who would he do it with? Because everybody else was at work. Right. There's just so much more entertainment and stuff like that. So the perception that there are better things I could be doing with my life is just different now than it was not that many decades ago, don't you think? Yeah, I see your point. Yeah, there's so many readily available options to amuse yourself. Yeah. Right. And then the other angle of it being uh, whether or not you get f- for fulfillment from your work. And that has been an interesting change in recent years. Remember when Obamacare started going and Nancy Pelosi said, you know, now an, now an artist can, can decide they want to be an artist and they don't have to worry about health care. You know, or a guitar player or a poet. Yeah, the, the reaction from people like me is everybody wants to be a poet, an artist, or a guitar player. Everybody loved it. What if everybody decides, you know what, I'm going to be an artist using my finger quotes. I'm not good enough at it to actually earn any money, but somebody should pay for my health care because that's what I think I ought to do with my life. I ought to follow my bliss. I want to, what was that uh, phrase? Maybe Michael remembers it. We had, we had a great clip of that. It was somebody uh, uh, pursuing their joy or what was that? Remember that? Makes your heart sing. Yeah. That's having a job that makes your heart sing. Ugh. That was actually on 60 Minutes. From the labor secretary or somebody talking about how important it is that, you know, people have a job that makes their heart sing. Nobody. And that wasn't even, it wasn't mocked that was greeted with, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and that's new, right? Because nobody like, well, my age, really, or certainly my dad's age, really got out of high school and thought, you know, the number one thing I need to do is find a job that makes my heart sing. You just wanted to find a job that allowed you to live. To pay rent your for a- stomach stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> or your Boy, I tell you what, I bolting these wheels onto this axle just makes my heart sing. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Hilarious. People have been living to work for a very long time. And I think the pandemic brought that moment of reflection for everyone. Hmm. What do I want to do? What makes my heart sing? And people are thinking, <laughs> if not now, then when? 
I'm sorry. This is just so cute. <laughs> but with the big quit going on, you know, that's what people are doing. They're trying to find jobs they like better. But anyway, the point here was, and I'd never really thought about this before, but I think it is absolutely true. Because so many people aren't married and don't have kids... Your job is so much of your life and your worldview and your all your enjoyment in a way yes. that has not been true in the past. So in the past, the job did make your heart sing bolting wheels on an axle or whatever example you just used. <laughs> Those jobs made your heart sing because you were providing for your family. You got all of the enjoyment. That you get, and I know this now that I'm, you know, once I started having kids, I remember talking about this on the air. The role my job plays in my mind completely changed having kids. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if it was drudgery, much, which luckily my job is not, it still would be fine in that I'm providing the home, the clothes, the opportunities, the vacations, all the stuff for my kids. That's what makes my heart sing the way I get to that is by going to work and that doesn't exist for so many people if you're childless and unmarried your job is your personality it is where all of your who i am comes from if you are married and you have kids your who i am comes from what's your number one answer if somebody if somebody asks you what you are i know what it has been for for many many years and i know what it is for me dad i'm a dad but right. if you're not a dad, your number one answer is... Now it's my embrace of druidism, because my <laughs> kids are grown. But but if you're not a dad or a mom, your number one answer is probably, I'm a real estate agent, or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a computer scientist, or I'm a whatever. I, I think there is some truth to that. I also think the, the younger generations define themselves more by their hobbies and that sort of thing. But... Uh, I, which, I think, which is nice, but uh, you know, I, I don't don't think there are any hobbies that give you the full on fulfillment of parenthood that is going to make you go, going to keep you going to that job you don't really dig because this is how you afford your kids. Right, right. Yeah, I would agree. I had another point. It was kind of a multifaceted and complicated, and I was worried I couldn't keep it in my head, and I was right. I was right to worry. But I, but it's not a, it's not a front of oh, mind. Now I know what it is. Go now ahead. I know what it is. So I remember at one point our our relationship with our radio company in Charlotte, North Carolina went sideways. And they, we said, this has got to change or we don't want to be here. And they said, it ain't going to change. So we said, all right, fine. And so we were unemployed for a little while. Um, I was mildly concerned about myself, only mildly. I was extremely concerned that I'd let my wife down. And I was horrified that I had two babies with an unemployed dad, okay? So you look at uh, to what extent is your job uh, or or what do you need out of a job to be happy? And as we've just been discussing, either millennials, Gen Z, whatever you want to call them, or the cross-section, uh, they need a job that has values and is doing good in the world and that I can feel excited about and the rest of it. I would say if you're childless and, and, and unmarried and the rest of it, as you're describing, you have the luxury of looking f- for that from a job because you are only mildly concerned about whether you'll eat. And and honestly, in terms of the social safety net, you, you're much less concerned than I was back in the early 90s, for instance. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I get that. I think you're right. You're right in a different way than you were saying. Yeah, of course you can ask for that, to my mind, fairly silly stuff out of your job. 
Because you, you don't need a job for a job in the way his, which has been true for folks the entirety of human history. Yeah, I, I don't think, because I, I'd never heard anybody brought this up in terms of all these conversations about people doing drone work and all these kind of things, and they're not happy with it, and blah, 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 is that your heart sings if you're providing for a family. It sure. just does. You're, you're, you're clothing your kids. You're seeing them go off to school. They got a new bike for Christmas. You help them with their first car. All that sort of stuff makes your heart sing. You don't that makes get, your sucky job not suck at all. You don't even think about it because it's providing. You don't think about how sucky your job is in the same way that you think about it if you if you get none of those other benefits from it. And that's left out of this conversation all the time. I think. Now there's nothing you can do about that. You can't make people have children, or, but <laughs> but it definitely well, plays a different role. The work definitely plays a different role in your life. Well, it plays a completely different role in your life. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a really interesting couple of interviews with uh, folks from that generation, their attitudes about work. Maybe we can jump into that next hour uh, at some point. Um, You know, I would only say this to some of our younger listeners who hold some of these attitudes. And this is this is your old Uncle Joe. Who who cares for you? Everybody, let's let's do a little exercise together. Everybody blink at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Blink. This moment in history is past. That's how long it's going to last that you can be the self-indulgent, picky little. Uh, that was sounded cond- condescending. <laughs> a little bit. I apologize. <laughs> Uncle Joe was a little condescending there. <laughs> the period in human history where you can be that choosy will be over before it starts. Armstrong and Getty. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Tonight, a prominent French scientist is apologizing after tweeting a photo he claimed was the image of a distant star taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. Thousands of people viewed the image, but it turns out it was actually a close-up photo of a slice of chorizo sausage. He said it was supposed to be a joke. It is a joke. That's he not, said it was supposed to be a joke. It's not supposed to be a joke. It is. That is a, that's the definition of a joke. He tweeted out a close-up of a sausage and claimed it was something from the telescope. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's interesting on a number of levels. So if you if you looked at that, that oh my God, look how be- the beauty of space and nature just it makes you believe in God. But it was a close up of a sausage. I mean, right. you got to think about it a little bit, don't you? And think, well, that's okay. It's well, it makes you think about the beauty of sausage. <laughs> it's delicious. I like her using her serious voices, like it's China versus U.S. or Ukraine play, play or something. Again, Michael. <laughs> Tonight, a prominent French scientist is apologizing after tweeting a photo he claimed was the image of a distant star taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. Thousands of people viewed the image, but it turns out it was actually a close-up photo of a slice of chorizo sausage. He said it was supposed to be a joke. Yeah, you can't use the same tone of voice you do use for the Ukraine story <laughs> on the scientist tweeting out a picture of a piece of sausage. He said it was supposed to be a joke. I tell you what, that Margaret Vennon, she'd be a long day. Dude. <laughs> you want some sausage? So I was you. I was on a Zoom call yesterday that got Zoom bombed. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. Oh, and I, I guess it happens to mostly a lot. I just maybe I don't pay enough attention. I'm not on Zoom things. But I was on a Zoom thing yesterday, and all of a sudden there was a fried chicken that had a large penis. <laughs> you don't see that every day. You don't. I mean, I don't know a lot about chicken anatomy, but that's a rarity. Well, a human, yeah, a large had a large human penis on the fried chicken. They. Zoom bomber said the chicken with the giant penis was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. There's a uh, there's an actual story published in an actual newspaper, New York Post, of course. Granny's dying wish: giant penis on her tombstone. We can tell you that charming tale. What coming up? Well, you, I remember you made a trip to Mexico a number of years ago. All right. Um, where you discovered in the local bazaars that there are many fertility symbols that are rather graphic. Yeah. That was... the devout Catholic people buy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. There were, oh, I don't even want to describe this on the air. Maybe I'll save that for the podcast, but yeah. It was freaking pornographic, but it was all like super Catholic saint mm-hmm. stuff. I believe this marks the end of the whole, my pronouns are G, Jem, and Zippity Doodah thing. 
and signing off on your emails, you fruitcakes in academia. You're the only people doing it, and you're woke corporations. It's the beginning of the end. Saw this headline in the USA Today, which is so down with all of the woke nonsense. Demi Lovato has updated their pronouns. All right. Okay. Well, we could stop there, but Demi Lovato updated their pronouns to include she, her again. Experts say that's more than okay. Here's the story. The D- Grammy Demi Lovato is the yes. alcoholic musician. Uh, her alcoholism is uh, not really. She she's the one that announced she was California sober. I oh, just, that's uh... right. <laughs> Yeah, which means you can drink and smoke pot. Something like that. You just don't do hard drugs or something like that. All right, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna read some of this to you and enjoy the absurdity of it. So the Grammy nominated musician came out as non binary last May, okay. a year ago May, as if we're supposed to care, announcing they prefer others use they them pronouns when referring to them. In an interview, she explained her recent pronoun update because now you're not supposed to say they, them. What the they, them is about for me, feeling human to your core. Recently, I've been feeling more feminine, so I've adopted she, her again. So now that she's feeling more feminine again, for some reason, we're supposed to call her she, her again. We the world that is supposed to, and this is, this is such a beautiful illustration of what's going on here. It is a way to demand people dance to your tune, pay attention to you, defer to your requests. I mean, how selfish and dumb is it to just not only once say, no, don't say Joe left his, uh, phone behind. Say Joe left their phone behind because Joe doesn't feel that manly or whatever. I mean, that's a, what am who am I to make that request to people? Seriously, where do I get off? But now apparently you can change your mind every six months. Send out an email, and uh, next week you got to refer to me as Your Royal Highness, and the week after that, she, her, please, bull ass. God, stop it with this. But, of course, Jack, as I mentioned in the headline, experts say that's more than okay. Well, I'm glad the experts said that's okay. What if they Mo, hadn't condemned me? Mo Brown, a therapist from Atlanta who specializes in working with transgender, non-binary, and gender queer people, says they are appreciative of that's uh, another they, apparently. They are appreciative of Lovato opening up about gender expression as it brings attention to the fluidity of pronouns. Brown uses they, them, and he, him pronouns. When celebrities share their experiences as genderqueer, it increases visibility for other people whose gender identity, blah, blah, blah. See, what they're doing is admitting openly now, this is all about queer theory, which says there's no men, there's no women, there's no binaries of any sort. Anybody can be anything. There's no such thing as a man or a woman. You can be a menstruating person or a birthing person or a person toting a penis. But there's no such thing as a man or a woman. And by kowtowing to this, I was a her, then I was a them, now I'm a her again stuff, you're validating this queer theory stuff. Don't. A person toting a penis. You say. <laughs> it kind of totes itself, honestly. 
built it's, in. It does. It seems to travel with me. Right, right. So just ridiculous. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.